1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Five of the play clock and movement off the right side but no flag blitz coming Daniels missed him Daniels tries to spin away and Dalton is brought down sacked, all the way back to the Bears territory there was something happened on there head. was confusion between yeah. uh, james
3: daniels and sam Mustafer in terms of trying to signal when andy dalton was ready and understanding that that linebacker was walking up to the line of scrimmage and he was the offensive line's responsibility so no one blocked him and they set him free.
2: snap back four-man rush dalton stays in the pocket looking now he leaves he walks into a sack hit from behind Walked into it. Nothing open downfield on a fourth down and one of the Vikings. Take over. So another chance for points taken off the board. Gets the snap. Gonna wind up throws. Williams over the top by 10. Touchdown! I should say 10-5. Touchdown. <laughs> Touchdown Bears. Another wheel route for 23 yards. Andy Dalton furiously one of the ball with the play clock expiring this time he beats Barr to the end zone in an easy pitch and catch and the bears get their first touchdown of the day snapped to Dalton going to run to the near side then a shovel pass to Robinson, and he's in for the two. He got whacked but held out of the ball. across the plane. A two-point conversion successful. And the Bears lead 14-0 over the Vikings. Here's the snap. He drops into coverage, but pressure coming. Cousins keeps the pocket clean. Open man, middle of the field. It's a touchdown. Touchdown. Marset Smith got behind everybody, beat Eddie Jackson to the end zone, and a 44-yard strike from Kirk Cousins. Snap, Dalton, looking to throw. Nice cut by by Montgomery. In trouble, Dalton, be chased from behind and dropped at the 15. Again, what I don't understand, while you're looking and throwing, as a vet, got to get rid of the football and avoid those big sacks. If you're not getting the touchdown on your throw, they're down at the 1. Third down, here's Cousins on the bootleg right. Stops, looking to pop, pressure coming, hit as he throws, downfield, Eddie Jackson gives up. Justin Jefferson in the end zone for the touchdown. Got tangled with him. Throws it up for the jump ball, right corner of the end zone. Vikings an extra point away from tying the game. Play fake, Cousins sets up the throw with all kinds of time. A lob to the left corner of the end zone. Diving catch for the touchdown. K.J. Osborne for six. Nobody near him. Osborne, again, running to an area. Cousins laying it in there beautifully, and the Vikings have taken the lead. Ten seconds on the clock. This is it. Players coming off the sidelines, and the 2021 season ends for the Chicago Bears in a 31-17 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Despite a 14-0 Bears lead, the Vikings poured it on, outscoring the Bears 31-3 the rest of the way. And now it's time for the scores
4: post-post-game show with Anthony Heron and Olin Kruots on 670 the score and Odyssey Station. That's
5: what it sounded like. On our sister station, WBBM, Bears go down. Finish the season at 6-11. Four seasons ago feels like a long time. I'm Anthony Heron, joined by Bears great Olin Cruz on the Post-Post show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I just tweeted it out a moment ago. I, I, I remember sitting here four seasons ago, Olin, after that playoff loss against the Philadelphia Eagles, the double doink where it just felt like so much that season went right for the Bears from a health perspective, from a takeaways perspective, from a, you know, a nuance, you know, like a nouveau reach kind of offensive folks didn't, didn't quite figure out, you know, down the stretch they started to there. Mm-hmm. But so much went right, and then the double doink happens, and here we sit now four seasons later. I certainly didn't think the, the regression that we've seen since then, and 8-8, 8-8 is not a regression in record two seasons ago, two seasons in a row, but certainly one year over the next. Last season wasn't as good as the year before. Certainly this season, record-wise, shows itself. 6-11 and 11 finish for the Chicago Bears. Now four seasons into Matt Nagy, seven seasons into Ryan Pace, and this is where the franchise sits. The game we saw today just felt like a, a, the latest example of a lot of what we've seen during the last four seasons, offensively in some ways defensively as well. In the end, none of it was enough for this win. None of it has been enough to achieve at the level it feels like the franchise has invested in the roster monetarily and what the expectation should be this deep into a regime at the head coach and general manager Mm -hmm. positions.
3: Yeah, and just not any success in the playoffs offensively. Offensively, like you said, that's why Coach Nagy's job seems to be this seems to be his last game that he has coached as a Chicago Bears head coach because he couldn't get the offense fixed, right? And Mitch Trubisky is now in Buffalo. He's not even a part of the Chicago Bears. They're on to their second quarterback. Uh, everything they tell you about, we're going to fix the offense, we're going to change the coaches, we're going to bring more speed in. You know, we had the track team at wide receiver this year. Um, Bringing in Andy Dalton. Even when Andy Dalton's the quarterback – They don't score very many points, right? So, the offense continues to be the team's Achilles heel. Uh, The defense, not the greatest of years, but I was impressed with Sean Desai Mm -hmm. at the end of the year. I thought he adjusted when when he had to. Uh, Obviously, today, you know, all those points in the second half does not look good for him, but... The some biggest, of them coming from the pick six yep.
5: and some of the turnovers for the offense. From yeah. the
3: offense. Yeah, I know you're a defensive guy, but they gave up those points, Big Ad. <laughs> context, only, I know, context. They, I know. I know they gave up those points. We could go over context if you want. <laughs> they gave up those points, Big Ad. Sorry about that. But they just don't seem to, like you said, it's just something's not there. Yeah. In this fourth year. Obviously, also the seventh year of Ryan Pace's, you know, time here. So, mm-hmm. when you go there and you look over everything – if Coach Nagy's time is up, it's the it's the fact that the offense could not score points. And, and a lot of people talked about, Coach Nagy talked about the run game a lot. And we've argued a lot. It's not your run game. Because even when you run the ball, you don't put the ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So this year, they end up averaging 120 yards rushing a the game. They're not terrible at running the ball. I think they end up 11th or 12th in the league in rushing. It's just when they get inside that 20. Yeah. They try to find yeah. points. They couldn't do it. So... Uh, taking out everything we saw today and not trying to get overly angry about <laughs> Peters being at left tackle and the, all the times you threw the ball on fourth down and the shovel pass and what seemed like shoving it in people's faces at some time when I'm watching the game, like, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna pass the ball at a shotgun again on fourth and one on fourth down. Uh, to me, that is the reason why if
5: Coach Nagy gets his pink slip, that
3: would be the reason.
5: And it does. It certainly did feel like a, a game today, where Matt Nagy said, "If I'm going out, I'm going out on my terms, mm-hmm. going out my way." You know, Frank Sinatra style. Right. That's a, that's maybe. And Brad Biggs actually tweeted out a, a video of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace walking off the field at U.S. U.S. Bank Stadium together mm-hmm. after everything was over. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's probably the that's probably the fitting song. Like if you're going to have just kind of a music bed for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace walking off that field together after the Bears finished Matt Nagy's fourth season, Ryan Pace's seventh season at 6 and 11. It probably is old blue eyes just mm-hmm. I did it my way and and what what stands out to me, oh, and you and I've discussed different versions of this in the time we've been able to do the post-post show here, the fact that Matt Nagy over the the initial seasons plural took so long to sort of finally get to the point where he was willing to adjust the offense to to a scheme to you know some more heavy tight end sets some more QB under center more balanced run to pass and essentially just him giving up the play calling is is where that you know, where he sort of acquiesced to what felt like a system that at least suited his current personnel better than what they were doing with the the pocket based shotgun sets and, and all the RPO elements that he wanted to run that he did run so much in his initial seasons and wasn't having success. Wasn't even moving the football. And then between the latter stages of last season, and then a couple of weeks in, once he gave it up to bill laser getting to what the current offense has been for the most part, they at least moved the ball more effectively, but then to the point that you just made there a moment ago, still hadn't led to touchdowns. And so the, you know, for seasons where points weren't going on the board, then you say, All right, yeah, all right, begrudgingly, here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, I didn't come here to run the I formation, all those things he was saying early on. You get to an offense that at least suits the personnel better and you're still not scoring with that. And and then we get today where it is back to like shotgun on third and short and fourth and short and try to pass the ball and be cute and be (laughs) clever and outsmart the defense and everything in it was just such a microcosm of what Matt Nagy's time here as head coach, as offensive play caller Mm -hmm. for the, the lion's share of that has been. And for whatever reason, man, even when they tried to do it in a way that seemed to make more sense for what they have here, it still wasn't working. And so, you know, that's where, to focus our lens on Matt Nagy makes sense as the head coach, but that's where Ryan Pace isn't off the hook with that either because you look at the skilled players. And, I mean, you know, for Jimmy Graham's role on this ball club, for where he's at at 35 years old in his career, he's overpaid for it. But then in the end, you wonder, like, who is the best red zone threat they have? Mm-hmm. Is it Jimmy Graham? And if that's the case, what does that say about your roster? What does that say? And, like Darnell Mooney, we've talked about the promise of Darnell Mooney. He's, he's developing well. Mm-hmm. He hasn't shown himself to be like a touchdown getter, like a guy that just puts the ball in the end zone. As much as we both love David Montgomery, he hasn't shown himself as a guy that just puts the ball in the end zone. So who is that mm-hmm. on this offense? That that is obviously lacking at this point, regardless of the system that's been run. So it just feels like there's so many different angles of this that, that point back to why the Bears are where they are.
3: Yeah, that that is well said because there is a design problem to me, all the way around with the offense, right? So in 2019, Coach Nagy thought he had a problem with his offense and he fired some coaches. But then he brought in guys who designed their offense exactly like <laughs> – so he doubled down on his scheme, mm-hmm. which which was fine, but then you got to get Tyreek Hill, you got to get Travis Kelsey, you yeah. got to get Mahomes, you got to get Miko Hardman. Uh, you see when the offense doesn't work what Andy Reid does. He throws a ton of money and trades for offensive
5: linemen. Right? Sammy Watkins is what, like their fourth best offensive Sam, yes. playmaker? <laughs> so you could you, you could argue,
3: if you look at the Chiefs' offense, where would Darnell Mooney fit in as a receiver? Mm-hmm. Third or fourth, maybe? Third or fourth receiver? Yeah, right? he wouldn't be
5: their number one option no. like he turned into here. Turned
3: into here, and, and he's had a good year, and he, mm-hmm. he had a good game today. Right. Um, that To me, Coach Nagy, his, his offense, it did not work here in Chicago. He never got it fixed. It didn't seem like they knew how to marry the concepts of the run game – with the pass game. Mm. And and what what my question would he, for him would always have been what is your run game? Don't tell me about Harry Hestan don't tell me about Juan Castile. Don't tell me about Heffrick, right? He brought Heffrick in early mm. cuz he wanted the RPO, you talked about the college concepts. That's yeah. why he wanted brought Heffrick with him. RPO Oregon, college concepts, the zone read, and all of a sudden all of a sudden we're an outside zone Juan Castillo's installing outside zone, but we don't have much pass concepts off of that outside zone. Mm -hmm. And then and then, like you're talking about the development of a wide receiver. And then we give Allen Robinson 18 million, the kind of year he's had, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's their franchise player. So it's just a lot of things that did not work out, right? Adam Shaheen, Trey Burton, on and on. Um Anthony Miller, right? Trade up for Anthony Miller. He moves on. Um, just a lot of things when you look at development of players. Right, If you're the McCaskies and you do move on from Coach Nagy, you need to ask the, ask the next group, how do you plan on developing players, getting guys to take the next step, getting an all-pro, a pro Bowl type player? And I like to say, Big An, and I like to, for your opinion on this, um, Roquan's a great player. Mm. And I think a pro bowl caliber, mm. lineman, he's fun to watch. It's perennial. I love, yeah. I love his headlock tackle. I don't know what that is, <laughs> right. but he seems to be doing a, a, a Randy uh. Orton RKO every time he takes someone down. But I love it. You know, I love, when I watch it, I just love watching it. But um, I like to call some guys, they're no doubt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. no doubt, no yeah. matter where you go. This guy's a no doubt build Pro Bowl, yeah. but, but I mean, just no doubt he's going to the Pro Bowl. That guy's right. going to the All Pro. Right. Uh, you can argue for Bobby Wagner. You can argue for Fred Warner mm. over Roquan Smith, right? You can almost argue for Micah Parsons, although they got the wrong position listed. Yeah, he's not he playing inside, inside linebacker, linebacker, but you're going to send him to the Pro Bowl with 12 sacks. You mm. just are. You're not going to argue against Darius Leonard six, 60. And what I'm saying is, you can. I want you need guys on your team. First ballot Hall of Fame Brian Urlacher, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just mentioned the guys I played with, mm-hmm. Devin Hester, was the best in the world yeah. at what he did. Yeah. You need to develop guys like that. I, I, we're, we're taking out the coaching staff out of it. You need a good coaching staff, I know that. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about just players, general manager, how do I develop these guys? Where do I, How do I get them to be a pro bowl, all pro type guy? The
5: Bears don't have enough. And that's that's been – and I've, I've talked about it through the lens of, of Ryan Pace and his regime, but frankly even other teams around town where you know a lot of time I spend on the score and the, the frustrations with the Cubs over the years is how you won that World Series and then are you getting better from that point? You had all that youth and then it hit at the right time. Like, you know, where 2018 maybe could have been that for the Bears. Like, 2018 Bears, it didn't end up being 2016 Cubs, or maybe it could have been if it wasn't for the double doink. But then you didn't capitalize on that. And then are you building? Are you progressing from there? Have you developed the talent from within? And that just hasn't been the case in Chicago. Yeah. And so part of it is certainly a lion's share of it, maybe is Matt Nagy, but from the top down, what where is the infrastructure in place? Where, where that youth, where an Anthony Miller, who did show promise early? Like I was I was tweeting about Anthony Miller before the Bears drafted him. He yeah. showed promise at Memphis. He got here, showed promise early in his career with the Bears and then plateaued and regressed Kevin White a great developmental prospect when Ryan Pace drafted him in the top 10 didn't necessarily show promise because he was injured so much but certainly never did develop and still hasn't developed at this point in his career Leonard Floyd defensively now there's certainly guys who have developed defensively but Leonard Floyd a top 10 pick who didn't develop after showing some early promise and so over and over that there, there seems to be a variety of examples and certainly quarterback and Mitchell Trubisky is part of it the mm. system part of it, what he's surrounded in, but. A guy who at times definitively showed promise, but did not develop in his time here. So where is that, where is that falling apart where whether it's at the very top, whether it's somewhere in the managerial end of things, whether it's the, the coaching staff and the way things are being coached, there's somewhere where the talent within is not being developed. It, it something there where the young players and whatever nurturing needs to happen and the teaching of fundamentals, the scheme and situations are being put in. Or we're not seeing the young guys who are homegrown become home runs Mm -hmm. for the Bears. Your home run, your homegrown talent is not turning into home runs. And then it's hard because you spend the rest of the time via the draft, via free agency, trying to cover up for misses, trying to cover up for guys who did not really hit for you. And it's hard to develop true depth of your roster when that's the case. And that's whoever the regime is going into this offseason, going into next season, is going to be dealing with that because there is young promise that's here. But now, are you in a position next season where you're gonna like you're forced to count on young tackles, where you're forced to maybe count on, I mean, you know, obviously you work closely with Sam Mustafer. Mm-hmm. It would be great if you had a situation where you bring in more depth on the interior mm-hmm. of your offensive line and guys are competing and everyone, all those swords are being sharpened because you say, you know what, even though we know that's good. How do we make it better? How do we improve the depth and the and the abilities that are there? It just feels like it, it's good the roster is going to be in a difficult position. Mm-hmm. It's not a roster that's devoid of talent, Mm-mm. but it's gonna be a tough spot to try and, 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 and remember increase big it. Ant,
3: the picks, right? You trade yeah. away your first round picks. Yeah. So you have a second, I think a third, and then two fives and a six, you don't have a lot of resources right. to reshape your roster, right? right. And, and and like you're saying, if we're just talking like if you just talk about the offensive line, but that's a microcosm of the whole team. Mm-hmm. So how do I bring in more talent? I'm going to play my best five. I don't yeah. care who it is. I'm going to yeah. play my – I want to have a strong unit there. And I've argued that they need to fix that place first. I know, you know, no one's shocked by that. right? Mm-hmm. I, I want an offensive line. I want to go get Teron Armstead if he comes a free agent, plug him in at left tackle, put Tevin Jenkins at right, move Borum to uh, right guard, and then let everything else play out. Right? Mm-hmm. I just yeah. – I'm going to get big. Yeah. I'm going to get – and if, you know, just – I'm going to bring – like you're saying, maybe another young guy, bring him to camp right? And I'd let them compete. And I mm-hmm. just let things fall where they may. But as far as the whole roster and development, if we go back to 2018, because um, I think that's a good place to start for Coach Nagy because he's mm-hmm. coach of the year. Ryan Pace was executive of the year. Yeah. Had a lot of wins. So there's three things they had that year. And you talked about it earlier. And it, it, it was the takeaways and it was the health, right? <sighs> so yeah. they had they were healthy that year. But the takeaways, I think they had 38. They ended the year with 16 this year, right? So... Um, they had, to, they had the takeaway bucket out this year they, had, they they were trying to emphasize that but then it went away mm-hmm. and and to me then you don't know what you really are uh-huh. right they like once if a coach preaches takeaways he's preaching that all the time no matter if he's getting it or not right <laughs> and all of a sudden you're going to take the takeaway bucket away and it just tells me a little bit that you don't know really what you are. You don't know why you're not getting takeaways. You don't know why you Did the you're
5: not... bucket go away or did the takeaways go yeah, away? Both,
3: right? So you never <laughs> right. heard about Taking it. An egg. Who right? knows? Because Nagy said in the, in the beginning of the year he wanted them almost maniacal about uh-huh. it. And they talked about it.
5: Remember at camp and they talked about it constantly. I mean, the times I went up to Camp Man and Alec Ogletree was picking off quarterbacks yeah. left and right, I was like, the takeaway bucket was just right. everywhere, man. You right. couldn't hear enough. But about then you it.
3: don't like, and you don't want to. It's not really a takeaway bucket, but I wanna hear the coach keep saying we didn't that. we didn't get I gotta talk to my defense yeah. about getting takeaways, right? Yeah. And and I coach Nagy, if he does leave after this fourth year, I kinda think I don't really know, to be honest with you, now that I sit here and think about it, I wouldn't know how I would explain what his offense is. Mm. Right? What what mm-hmm. well Olin, what was Coach Nagy's offense? Well, it was yeah. sometimes it was RPO and sometimes it was zone read, but And it was outside zone kind of boot, but they didn't really boot. The you know I don't really know Uh, I I don't really know how to explain what they were actually running here, right? So uh, I just identity that word he came back to so much, and the philosophy, and and to me that comes to the whole place at Hallis Hall, right? Uh, And I think the first question, Big Ant, that George McCaskey has to answer is, what are you? What is your philosophy on your football team? What kind of people are you looking for in your building? When you think about winning the Super Bowl, what does your team, in your mind, mm-hmm. what does your team look like? Because if you don't have that picture, you, 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 if, you, if you don't have a map, you're going in the wrong direction. And it seems like they are constantly moving in the wrong direction.
5: So, obviously, Olin and I have, have plenty that we will be getting into. All our thoughts about this thing as we've been sharing it on the Post Post Show here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, but as always, we want to let you guys get involved in this discussion as well as the Bears' season has come to a close. 6 and 11 is the final mark for this 2021 season. Of course, bleeds into 2022 here with the extended NFL regular season. 312 644 6767. 312 6767. We see the phone lines are already lit up. So let's allow some folks here now that we are through the regular season. And of course, if any news breaks while well, we are on here with you, because we are taking you up to Bulls basketball here on the score. They are in Dallas, getting ready to face the Mavericks tonight. So we'll take you up to 615, which will be Bulls pregame here on the shore. And of course, tomorrow, Bears Monday, as this thing has come to a close. Tweeted it out where I've retweeted Adam Johns earlier, where he said there will be a team meeting at Hallis Hall, 9 a.m. tomorrow. Maybe news happens tonight. Maybe news happens tomorrow morning. Who knows? But at whatever point, it does. We will make sure that the breaking news is covered for you here on The Score. But let's go ahead and get out to the phone lines. A bunch of folks on hold wanting to get into what their thoughts are about this Bears team, about what the franchise is going to do moving forward. Let's get out to Dave, who is in Wisconsin, with some thoughts on what's happening with the Bears. What's happening, Dave? How you doing? Good, Dave. What's up, man?
4: Um. If Matt Nagy's not back next year, how does Vic Vitaggio, from because he got fired at Denver today? How would it, how would he be for Bears coach? How do you like him?
5: All right, I feel you, Dave. That's a valid question. Let's you know operate in a world where if the Bears move on from Matt Nagy tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Vic Fangio has been relieved of his duties in Denver. For anyone who didn't hear that, that points to to Dave's question there. Now. As much success, like Vic Fangio was having success as the defensive coordinator here before they even spent a bunch of money on the defense. This was a top-10 defense season over season. They go out and acquire Khalil Mack. It's the best defense in football in 2018. Then that leads to Vic getting his head coaching job in Denver. As a head coach, Vic had waited a long time to get his first head coaching gig. He's had the big whistle in Denver. You know, hadn't gone well. So now he's been relieved of his duties by John Elway and the Broncos. Do I want Vic Fangio to be the Bears head coach next season? Not really. But as impressed as I am with Sean Desai, if you tell me that the next head coach is going to, especially if it's a veteran head coach, we were talking about this a little bit on our on Bears Post game live over on Fox 32. I, I wonder if you guys got into it on the football after show over on NBC Sports Chicago. But whoever the Bears end up hiring as the next head coach, especially if it's a veteran coach, I don't think you want to put yourselves in a position as a franchise as impressed as they obviously have been with Sean Desai and then him finally getting to call the defensive plays this season shouldn't have been anything he did this year to make them any less impressed with him at house hall. I don't think you want to force Sean Desai on the next head coach. I think you, you certainly make your recommendations, but if you go out and you hire the right guy, you allow the right guy to bring in his own staff would be my impression. I don't know your thoughts, Olin.
3: Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't hire him as my head coach. I think he's the best defensive coordinator in the league. Mm. Just matchup scheme. I mean, everybody's copying what he's doing right now. Um, He is extremely good at being a defensive coordinator. He's getting fired from Denver. I don't know if this sounds familiar to anybody because he couldn't fix the offense, right?
2: (laughs) So I don't know if we want to bring a guy in with
3: that same history uh, of that. Now my my respect for Vic Fangio just watching his scheme and him call plays as a defensive coordinator. I mean, yeah. I think he's as good as he gets, right? Yeah. So if you get lucky enough, I know a lot of people have, we love Jim Harbaugh. I know he worked at Harbaugh at Stanford and San Francisco. So something like that where he ends up as your defensive coordinator again, I think, he that may be a role for him, mm-hmm. you know that may be just kind of what he is. He's a defensive coordinator. I'd be interested to see if he wants another shot at being a head coach. I you know, um, some guys just kind of take that shot and say, "Man, I'm a DC. That, exactly. That's what yeah. I do." You know, yeah. I, I I I I. But he is like you said. They, he was well known before 2018. Uh-huh. Uh, Vic Fangio is as good as it gets. I don't know if I'd have him. As well. I don't. I won't say I don't know. I wouldn't hire him right. as the head coach for the Chicago Bears.
5: Yep, Olin oh, and I completely agreed on that. Three one two six four four six seven six seven. Let's go out to Gardner, where Brad is out there with some thoughts on what's happening with the Bears. What's happening, Brad? You got Ant and Olin.
6: Hey guys, always a pleasure. Um, we all know that Nagy is horrible, but my question is why promote or even keep pace? And I'm going to explain my my view. This is the same guy who moved on from Jay for Mike Lennon and Jay was cheaper. Same guy who traded a ton up one spot for Mitch when he could have stood pat and got him. The least risky move he's made is the trade for Justin Fields. Not to mention going out and wasting $11 million on Dalton when you could have had Foles start or bring back Mitch for a cheaper option. And that's just the QB issues. Not to mention keeping Graham over Foler or even Leno. I'm more furious about keeping pace than anything. This whole off season needs to be a Tressman Emery house 2.0. That's my that's my view. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say.
5: Like it, Brad three one two six four four six seven six seven. I mean, when it comes down to it, the the results are what they are, man. I mean, we're seven years into this thing. I saw actually my, uh, I saw my old high school teammate from Bolenberg High School, Dan Durkin, who's on the score plenty here. He tweeted something out the other day that was just showing the results of Ryan Pace's time here since he's been running all the football operations, since he's been the general manager of the Chicago Bears. I'll, I'll find it in a moment. Maybe I'll come back to it. But essentially showing that in Ryan Pace's time here, him compared to just other football organizations, comparing – The Bears under Ryan Pace versus all these other NFL franchises and what they've accomplished in the time since he's been here and at the bottom, you know, when it comes to not having any playoff wins, having only one winning season in the seven seasons that Ryan Pace has been here. So if you're telling me the job description of Ryan Pace overall has a lot of other factors to it that are being considered, then obviously that's up to the McCaskies and Ted Phillips and whoever else to to sort of... I guess, surmise what exactly that is. But my impression is Ryan Pace is your top football guy, so all the mm-hmm. football results fall under Ryan Pace. But if you're talking about business successes and finances and everything else, then all right, you credit Ted Phillips with that and say that's why Ted Phillips is sort of beyond reproach. But the football results are Ryan Pace has had one winning season, one division title in the seven years he's been here. Then that it has been a couple of rebuilds, multiple quarterbacks. And if he's still – you know, retains his job, which, you know, some of the reports are saying that may be the case or he gets promoted or whatever, then he's going to get the opportunity to hire another coach mm. as well. And this is just, you know, that that's a level of loyalty that we rarely yeah. see in the national yeah, football yeah, league sure. if that happens.
3: Yeah, I, I, I like to call it uh, when I look over his tenure. And I know, uh, I think you remember also, Big Ant, you remember how bad the roster was, how bad the football team was when Phil Emery and Mark Trustman left. So you, you knew when they hired Ryan Pace, and Ryan Pace coming out of New Orleans, uh, he was highly sought, sought after, right? He was um, Mickey Loomis' uh, head, of, head of pro personnel guy. A lot of people wanted him. He said he turned down some jobs. He he was waiting for the right situation, and he thought this was the right situation. Um, after seven years, I, I like to call it when you study it and look at it, and I'm sure you'll find with Dan, Dan Durkin's stats, and you just look at the... The drafts and the Mitch Trubisky trade, uh, Leonard Floyd, Kevin White, uh, like you said, one winning season. Uh, it's a curious case of Ryan Pace, man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't figure out, right? I can't figure out what. Okay, what is it? They, they must think he's young and improving. He right? is the Benjamin, he is Benjamin Button field- Like I just The
5: general manager. I, I, I'm trying to figure out. Okay,
3: I, I don't know. They obviously last year they told us that they didn't have the wins. They didn't have the quarterback. But everything else they had there, they loved, right? They loved everything they had there. And that's why I keep saying, I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because of what I heard yesterday, I mean, last year, anything is possible tomorrow, right? Because when the guy, the CEO of your building says, we don't have the wins, we don't have the quarterback, which to a football guy sounds like you don't have anything, Mm -hmm. but he says, we have everything else. Not, now I'm just totally confused at what direction <laughs> you're moving in, right? So they make the trade for Justin Fields. They may think they have their quarterback. I don't know mm-hmm. what they think of am and Like you said, all of a sudden I'm reading stories about, well, he helped them build the football side of the building. Well, um, in my house, I don't take credit for the plumbing, right? I don't – I live in a house, but, <laughs> hey, Olin, you have really nice plumbing. I say, well, yeah, I mean, that's – a plumb. I plumber. I a plumber, yeah. yeah. What... So, like, I can go around the nation take pictures of, say, Alabama's football building and say, I want this uh-huh. in my building. Like, your job is to put people in that building to win football games. I want the best strength coach in your building. I want the best D-line coach to develop D-linemen. I want to know how are you going to develop Justin Fields, right? So when I think about the Chicago Bears and how they're going to get to the answer of who they need, I think to myself, someone needs to sit down and say, I'm going to watch two games of Justin Fields with you. You need to tell me what scheme and how you're going to help this guy develop, right? I want to watch two games of Eddie Jackson. Even should I bring Bilal Nichols back? When I watch him here, you talked about... Guys played at a high level, then they took a step back. But Bilal Nichols would be one of those guys. Eddie Goldman would be one of those guys. Why can't, how are you going to help me keep Khalil Mack healthy? Right? Like, what is your your plan at the strength coach position? What is your plan at the trainer position? Because all that.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
5: Matters when you're talking about developing football players. Right. And that has certainly been lacking for the Chicago Bears and those at Hallis Hall. 312-644-6767. We'll take our first time out. We are taking you up to Bulls basketball here on the score. They face the Dallas Mavericks. That game is 6:30. Bulls pregame begins at 6:15. And throughout the evening, We are at the point now, I've referred to it as the Mozilla, when the Bears moved on from John Fox. Of course, you know, those who are on the internet on frequent basis. you know that the Mozilla is the Firefox. But we will see what happens. If it happens this evening, we will bring all that to you on the score, where we cover breaking news better than anyone else in the city of Chicago. But Bulls basketball will begin here on the score. Bulls pregame at 6.15. They face the Mavericks at 6.30. And tomorrow's, of course, a Bears Monday here on the score. But for now, Olin Cruz and Anthony Herron. we will take a timeout, come back phone lines are all lit up now that the bears have gone six and 11 folks have their thoughts and feelings to share we will allow you to do that this is the post post show on the score
7: i've never been in this position before and and for me it's it's uh i continue to to um you know just go about business like normal and i mean i mean that you know i've had conversations as as uh nothing has changed as i've told you guys a few days ago and uh I I know this whatever is supposed to happen will happen and and I'm I'm a positive person and again uh, I just I think that it's about these players right now and these players have fought their asses off to play hard they sacrifice their body every day and and everything else will take care of itself how it's supposed to
4: and now back to the post post game show with Anthony Heron and Olin Krutz on 670 the score and Odyssey Station.
5: That was a chunk of Bears coach Matt Nagy from the post game today to sort of, you know, as the media was in there. It's been going on for a few weeks now with folks asking different versions of, "Well, if you get fired, what do you think about your time here? You know, give us a retrospective." And he was doing what he could to to not necessarily get fully into retrospective mode, but at the same time, you know, we, we know what's uh, what's anticipated here for Matt Nagy, and I think our Chicago media does a, a nice job of kind of balancing that, not. Not bringing out the billy clubs and beating them over the head. Too bad, but trying to get the questions answered that I think a a lot of folks are curious about. When I think of of what what the Bears have done in in their time moving on from head coaches, I do feel like the McCaskies have been willing to move on from coaches, in, I suppose in a timely fashion is, is maybe the best way I would say. You know, think back to to Dick Jerron where in the middle of his four seasons, he he was the two thousand one AP Coach of the Year. Couple seasons later, he was out. Of course, you guys had a ten and six season and the Bears moved on from Levy Smith after less than a decade. And it was more than a, enough case you could try to make for why Levy Smith the ten and six, why they shouldn't have moved on from him. Mark Tressman, where it feels like they kind of vacillate back and forth, you know, since lovey of all right, so we would go with the, the young kind of, you know, offensive, you know, creative guy. And then we go back to the older guy. And they've gone back and forth with that. So they kind of go to the anti lovey with Mark Tressman. After two seasons, first season, fairly promising. You get maybe the best football of Jay Cutler's career in season one. Everything falls apart. Move on from Tressman after just two seasons. And then, of course, John Fox after just three seasons where you had the older guy with a good resume, man, had taken multiple teams to Super Bowl appearances, had John Fox before the Bears hired him. So you go back to the more, like, old, established guy after you move on from Tressman, And now here we sit with Matt Nagy four years in this Matt Nagy's first losing season in Chicago. And, you know, you have the division title in his first year. You mentioned the accolades for him, for Ryan Pace, and then a couple of 8-8 eight and eight seasons, and now we get this, 6-11 and 11 after drafting Justin Fields. So all signs point to it making sense to move on from Matt Nagy. So my anticipation is that that will likely be the case. And I, I do feel like we've seen through at least the last handful of head coaches where, where the Bears brass, at least for the head football coach, they've been willing to say, you know what, it makes sense right now. Like, we've given you the – because I'm, I'm pro-continuity is my thing. Like, I don't – a lot of teams move on super quick. And I'm like, did you really even give them a chance? I think the Bears give an opportunity for continuity, but I do feel like they've shown. Like, they're willing to sever ties and move on from the head football coach mm-hmm. in, in what feels like a timely fashion. Do you think that's accurate?
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think, you know, like you're saying, it started in 2012 when Lovey went 10 and six. And it really, I think George became chairman in 2011, right? They mm-hmm. moved him from ticket office to chairman. And since then, like you said, he's been willing to move on. I think, trust me, they only gave two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny thing, I was, I was looking up uh, Lovey's last year here just to look at, well, like you're looking at when, when Coach got fired. I think they had 44 takeaways that year. Mm-hmm. They were, the Bears were plus 20 and missed the playoffs. I, I mean I, that that just fascinated me when I read that. I thought that was a crazy stat. Anyway, uh, uh, they end up ten and six, like you said. They move on, so you know now their standards are high. Now once you set the standard, right, right, right. Okay, now why are you keeping this guy? Right? Uh-huh. So now, like you said with Coach Nagy, um, his record is not bad. I think he ends thirty four and thirty one. Yep, something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yep. Um, but but that's eight and eight's not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what we said with, with Lovey Smith. We said 10 and six. We said if you're not going to the playoffs and you're not winning playoff games, like George set this standard the year after he got hired, right? And, um, and then Phil Emery moves on and gets his guy in trustman, and Trestman doesn't do well, and John Fox uh, doesn't do a lot of winning, and now Coach Nagy wins. Anyway, um, like you said, they are willing to move on since George became chairman. Uh, sometimes... You know, like with Lovey, you would say, "Man, once you set that standard, you gotta, you gotta watch out because now, <laughs> man, if you're not ten and six, well, what, what, what are we here, uh, right? So, right. Uh, it's just interesting to see. It'll be most people. It's a foregone conclusion that Coach Nagy's time is up. Mm. Uh, sounded like that in his press conference today, right? Yeah. Although he kept trying to pull Ryan Pace as close to him as he could possibly get him, right? <laughs> me and, me and Ryan. Well, me and Ryan, me and me and Ryan got you your franchise quarterback. Uh, we got you Roquan and. Uh, but, but it'll be interesting to see – it's going to be interesting to hear from George as to what his philosophy is now moving forward and how they're going to get this thing back on the right track.
5: And the, the way that, that they've gone about things in, in getting the next head coach, I think the process of it is what I'm really curious to hear about. Because, I mean, you know, just from the outside looking in, like I think about when, when they hired John Fox. I didn't think that was a bad hire, you know. After the Tressman fiasco, and you know, I'm like, you know what, dudes won like in multiple spots. Like, he took the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl appearance. He won playoff. He won a playoff game with Tim Tebow as his quarterback. Had Peyton Manning took the Broncos to a Super. Bowl. I, I thought the John Fox hire made sense. I thought the Matt Nagy hire made sense. A lot of folks wanted to hire Matt Nagy, but I'm wondering where it has fallen apart in the process because these hires have not led to success. Like, I, I think it's. From for a, a context perspective, I think it's important for me or for others to be willing to admit when they hired certain individuals, whether you were on board or off, I thought the John Fox hire was cool, thought the Matt Nagy hire was cool. I didn't know who the hell Mark Tressman was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, you know, bring in this offensive mastermind. Maybe he can tap into Jay Cutler in a different way than other folks had before. Like, okay, maybe that makes sense. I, I don't necessarily think they've, as far as the head coach, I don't think there's been boneheaded hires that have been made at the moment. Now, Tressman ended up proving itself to be a boneheaded hire afterwards. But I think there was explainable reasons for the hires that got made, but they're not working. They're not sustaining for any of these hires since Lovey Smith. And I wonder where, and I don't know if you have an idea of where within the infrastructure, there there must be some breakdown, whether it's the hire itself or once the hire gets made, why something, why development, like we were talking about earlier, why they're not working for any sustained time after they actually get in here.
3: Yeah, and, and it's a great question because development goes when you're in a building like the Bears have. It's everywhere, right? And we, I
5: don't know, like I don't know if you thought the like Fox made sense or not. Like at the time, well, I thought these I, hires. I, 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 were I didn't mind
3: John Fox at all. I the only thing that bugged me was you kind of heard Ryan Pace didn't want him. It was forced mm. on Ryan Pace, and that that whole part of it kind of mm. bugged me. But uh, Mark Trestman, obviously, uh, Bruce Arians was in the running for that job. Uh-huh. That was a yeah, You know, you just yeah. start to look at some of these decisions. Uh, like you said, though, the first year, turns the offense around, uh, gets them rolling, and you're like, man, maybe if, maybe if, they if Mel me up Tucker can get this defense rolling. Right. Uh, but it, it, it obviously didn't work out. But back to the infrastructure at Hallis Hall. When you develop – when you have a company like they have, you have to develop every position. Mm-hmm. You develop coaches. You develop players. You develop media guys. You, you, sh- you should want to have – The best at everything in your building. And no one can be good by themselves. So even the head coach needs a support system around him of people doing their jobs at extremely high level. Right. So I I think that I think most people from outside looking in know that about Hallis Hall. That maybe the McCasseys don't really understand too much about football. (laughs) Maybe they don't have people around them who love football. And, And to me, if I'm George McCassie, I think to myself, the next guy I bring in, if I do clean house, his job is to educate me on a weekly basis, on football, what my team needs, what they're doing. I need to be explained to me so I can ask the questions, the relevant questions of my team in my building because the way you've been going about it, Big Ant, it has not been working. It's right? Not. It has. You, you have not won enough playoff games, and you can argue you haven't won enough playoff games since 1990. That is a long time. And I say this a lot. In 2009, I was sitting in a locker room in Baltimore. And they asked me then, and I was on a team big end. So it was taking a chance. And they said, Olin, do they need to fire Lovey Smith? And I said, there's a lot of problems with the Chicago Bears, but Lovey Smith is not one of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And just from all my time being there, I said, the problem is from the top to bottom this thing needs to be fixed. And it's just what we're talking about. Mm. People need to do their job at that building at a higher level. And if they don't take responsibility for that, you're just going to have flash in the pan years like they had in 2018, like 2006, like 2010, like 2001 and 2. You're just going to have years like that, and it's not sustainable because you don't have enough support in your building at Hallis Hall. And those are just the plain facts. Those are just what... If they want to know what their problem is, Big Ant, that's it. That's their problem.
5: Olin Krutz, speaking truth here on the Post Post Show, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, he is on Twitter at Olin underscore Krutz. I am at Big Ant Heron. And the the way that the Bears go about just the business side of things obviously is, is very lucrative mm-hmm. for them. Where, where is the the real pressure? With the, this discussion was there about the Bulls for a long time also. Where is the legitimate pressure? pressure for them to to sort of revamp to enhance to be better than where they are like on the inside out because the bears are still one of the most lucrative franchises in the national football league this brand has been there it has been built by the hallas and mccaskey's and you know the history that's there associated with it but then because it still makes so much money then is there pressure on them to reassess how they go about like i don't i'm not under the impression mccaskey's don't want to win, it, it does seem like the, the results would indicate they don't necessarily know how to on a consistent basis. And that development, I think it's a great point you're making where development doesn't only show itself on the field with the players with the roster, but how is the franchise getting better? And you, we, used, we joked around a little bit about Benjamin Button earlier with Ryan Pace, and it, it feels like the team itself, just like Benjamin Button was like aging in reverse, the Matt Nagy time here. Has operated in reverse, where that first season where they just flew out of the gate at 12 and four and, and things felt magical in certain stretches. And every year, things had, as opposed to progressing, things have regressed season by season. Well, one eight and eight year that it felt like should have been better, one eight and eight year that felt like it should have been worse. And then what we saw this season, where the Bears certainly are not the worst team in the National Football League, but they're a long ways away from being the best team and amongst the best teams. In the NFL, also. And so it calls a lot into question and in how they go about improving things from the inside out to be better, just to be more consistently productive than what this franchise has been. 312 644 6767. Let's go back out to the phone lines here on the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. I see Rich out there in Old Town has been on hold for a minute. Rich, what's up, man? You got Anthony and Olin on the Post Post Show. What's up, Rich?
4: Hey, guys. I think you're on this afternoon. I want to go into two quick things. The first thing is a brief post-mortem, which speaks to the flaws in the process. And then secondly, uh, play Ted Phillips, and that's what I would do about it. I think it, it goes back to something that people may be surprised. 2018 was a complete fluke. This is just data. I'm going to give you some numbers that would refute any really positives for Nagy. Their offense despite having 38 takeaways, only averaged 26 points a game. That's it. So, Mr. Offensive Guru, that isn't substantially ahead of of plodding along for the past three years. All right, and he's supposed to be in charge of the offense. And even with all those takeaways, guys, they had a plus-12 net, which told you that the offense gave the ball back 26 times. That's a disgrace. So so much for Nagy being coach of the year, it's kind of a a complete disgrace. And when you take a look at what you said, and you're right on the money, I think it starts with the front office because successful teams, whether it's college and or the NFL, the first thing they start with is what do you want to be when you grow up? All right. And then how do you build around that? So I think the general manager and the coach, the general manager should say, okay, what do you need to be sustainably successful? and what do we need to look like and then the general manager's job is to start filling those holes
5: i think that makes a lot of sense rich and the, the way that the the infrastructure of the bears is set up you know that's that they're only willing to share so much publicly you're talking about some of your obviously personal you know experience with it as as a long time and a great player for the bears and what you understand about the internal workings there but in the end there's only so much they've shared about the contract lengths of, of Ryan Pace and of Matt Nagy and and how they work and how much Ted Phillips is or isn't involved in the football side of things and Ryan Pace being the top football guy, but then he still answers to Ted Phillips. And some of these things that just seem a bit odd and, and a little bit kind of nebulous just in whose job description really equates to what. In the end, it, it is a results business, and and they've been close so frequently. And that's one of those things, like, it, you know, I don't think it's it's not – it's not silly, I think, to point out that yes, the players did continue to play hard for Matt Nagy, and you were sort of forced into getting a bunch of youth on the field, and there was some productivity, and you see the potential for additional, um, you know, sort of progress from a guy like Travis Gibson and, and what he's doing mm-hmm. off one edge, and. You know, Cole Komet has some nice moments, but like we you know, we're talking about on Fox 32, like he's definitely not Travis Kelsey, Mm-mm. if that's what you're hoping this offense Mm-mm. becomes. But there's there's nice moments. Like a, a free agent like Sam Must for starting for a full season mm-hmm. and being productive for you. There are elements there where you say, you know what? Yeah, it's not, it's not the worst, but it, it feels further away from being at the top end of, of this thing where you supposedly want it to go. And how much of it is scheme, how much of it is coach, how much of it is personnel that's kind of you know, sort of thrust upon them in the end, it, it kind of feels like it's all of it. It's all of it. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's who, whose responsibility is it if it's all of it? How do you fix it all at the same time? Yeah, and, and it's, it's well said
3: because it's always all of it, right? And But like we talked about earlier, even though they have nice moments, you're waiting for someone to take that step, and you're mm-hmm. like, man, we got a guy here, right? Yeah. We got the best. I always thought to myself, Big Ed, you needed three, four, five guys in your building. Who are top five in the league at their position uh-huh. to compete every week, and then you need really good coaches. Anytime you take a look at a Super Bowl team or a team that makes a run, if you take a look at their coaching staff, you walk away like, well, no wonder they were that damn good, right? Mm-hmm. And they talk about going to get Leslie Frazier, and then you go and say, okay, who can I we pluck from the Buffalo Bills and make a staff out of it? They got Ken Dorsey as their quarterback coach. You just look at the Buffalo Bills, you say, okay, now now I know why they're pretty consistently good there. Mm-hmm. And as far as the Chicago Bears go and what he's talking about, yes, that's, that's all true. It's just how do you get there? Yeah. How do we get to where we need to be? Do we know what questions to ask? Do we know how to get to the guy we need? Uh, do we actually know here at Hallis Hall what we want to be? What, what, we, what we're demanding from players? What are we demanding from coaches? Uh, what are we demanding from the guy who's cooking the bacon in the morning? Right? And as silly as that sounds... <laughs> And you've been a football big, building being a successful one. Uh-huh. Everything is done in a certain way. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it may sound crazy to people and meatballish to people who are listening from the outside. But if you've been around a successful football team, everything is just working yeah. accordingly. Everybody's bought in. Everybody knows their job. And everybody's doing it at a high level. And mm-hmm. when they're not, they're held accountable. to stand. So what the Bears are looking for, in short, is – for a guy who will hold everybody to that standard,
5: to that accountability. Right. This the same exact discussions that are being had here in Chicago right now are being had in Detroit. Like I was a mm-hmm. part of that Lions franchise and the Ford family which, you know, they they put resources into the football side of things and they want to be good and they cycle through coaches for whatever reason. Jim Caldwell was winning and they just went ahead and cycled through him too, but you know, it's like they they want to be good. Do they know how the the results in the end indicate that they don't but when i was with the falcons there was at least there was a stretch there where the falcons had to figure it out but you know much as i hate to say it, when i was in green bay they, they got to figure it out man and that there's not a true ownership group at the top of it per se but it was buttoned up in green bay brief time i was in pittsburgh it was buttoned up in pittsburgh like from top to bottom they knew what they were about and they they carried that out day in mm-hmm. and day out and it doesn't necessarily feel like that's the case here in Chicago, three one two six four four six seven six seven. Let's get another caller in before we get to the top of the hour. Tim, out in Milwaukee. Tim, what's happening? You got the post post show with Olin and Ant.
8: Oh, hello. Oh, um, everything's good except for um. Hey, what I you know what I listened to today. But um, you all touched on practically um everything that I said. But what I'm um you know baffled about is why do we. Well, I say certain players try to play like other people, when you have a plan in motion that works for you, you stick with it. They're good in the running game. Whereas that, if they would have kept running the ball, their defense is resting. You're out there trying to play something that you really don't know what you're doing. I'm saying to myself, you could have kept Mr. Trubisky. Now, I'm like the person at the top which is the general manager, Ryan Pace, you're seeing all this. You need to be talking to these people, letting them know, like you all said, everyone is being held accountable for what they you know, supposed to do.
5: Yeah, I, I feel you on that, Tim. And, I mean, even going back to the Mitch Trubisky end of it, and I think that's one of those examples that points to where why, for lack of a better term, why was Matt Nagy allowed so long to continue to run a certain version of offense that was so bad that that was so frequently ineffective. And then why was he allowed to come into this season and go back to a previous system and a previous play caller and himself, who had been ineffective for multiple seasons? But then that points to back to the the Ryan Pace example of, you know, how what how much of a role is Ryan Pace playing in trying to make sure the ship is being pointed in the proper mm-hmm. direction? Because day in day out, yeah, Matt Nagy and his staff are the ones coaching the players, responsible for the development of those guys. They obviously fell short, but there is the, the top football guy above them who shares that responsibility as well, who should be able to take more of a macro sort of look at things and say that, you know what, I know you guys are, are sort of like in there, like gritting it out with these guys on a daily basis, and you may love this player. You may think that guy can execute mm-hmm. something in a particular way, but I'm telling you, I'm watching this from back here. He can't do it that way we, we need to figure out how do we actually point this you know obviously the Cleveland example is the one that really got like the entire nation upset mm-hmm. with the Bears from the top down and how they sort of let that happen but these are the types of things you and I have been talking about for multiple seasons leading into that Cleveland moment and how how was that allowed to happen would be the big question we, we got to take a time out get to the top of the next hour we'll have one more segment to go before we get to Bulls basketball here on the score so much to share and like I mentioned. Trust me, after the Bulls game ends, if there is news that has broken, we will get to it here on The Score. We'll be watching this thing as closely as anyone can hope to watch it so we make sure we have this for you. But Bulls basketball will be coming up. Bulls pregame at 6.15 as they prepare to face the Dallas Mavericks. And then the Bulls game itself at 6.30. But we got more to come for you here. Olin Cruz on Twitter at Olin underscore Cruz. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter at Big Ant Heron. More to come here on The Pulse Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
7: The day that I signed up to be the head coach here in Chicago, right? On a year-to-year basis, you're always you're always understanding that what comes with your position, right? That's real, that's life. And so this, the situation that we're in this year um, is, is one where uh, we know our record's not good enough, we all wanna be better, we know that. So this is all stuff that comes attached to it. So you gotta deal with it, you can't run from it. You gotta be real, you gotta talk about it, you gotta understand it. And then you gotta be able to have a plan Um, understanding individually but also as a leader and a a team leader with these guys because these guys deserve that you know they're they're we got great players man we got great people we got great coaches and and I just respect all them too much and and so sometimes I'm very honest and I just uh I talk about that stuff you know and I I always try to hit every avenue
4: and now back to more post post game show on the score with Anthony Heron and Olin Kreutz.
5: There's so much meat on this bone, man, now that the, the Bears' regular season has come to an end. Now that the Bears' season as a whole is over the fourth season of Matt Nagy is done. The seventh season of Ryan Pace has come to a close. And so now we can officially go into retrospective mode on everything that we've seen, as both have been here. There's something Ola and I were talking about in the break that kind of you know plays off of the discussion we were having towards the close of the previous hour. We are minutes away from Bulls basketball here on The Score. We'll take you up to the Bulls pregame show, As they get ready to face the Dallas Mavericks. But of course, we want to let me at least sneak another caller or two in because we got some folks who've been on hold for a minute. I know now that we're at this point where the season's over, folks have things that they would like to share. Pete is out in San Francisco, and I got to make sure we get back to a topic that I think Olin uh, had some really, really good stuff on a, a little while ago. But Pete in San Francisco, what's happening? It's Post Post Show.
4: Hey, guys. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I love listening to you guys. So here, here's my question. Um, you know, in basketball, you hear about these super teams being formed with players or baseball. So my question to you is if you were to form a super team of coaches, what would that look like? And then, um, this one last point, I think at at some point you guys talked about, um, fiasco, how the game was a fiasco or the season was fiasco. And I'd say like, uh, there's this great American life story called fiasco. And that game totally reminded me of that podcast. So anyway, I'll, I'll hang up and list, listen to see what you guys think what a super team of coaches would look like. Thank
5: you. I appreciate you, Pete. A super team of coaches. I mean, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there. The thing is the bears have shown, like we were starting to touch on oh, that, that they like to go in the opposite direction. So, my guess, because they, you know, we, we just had Matt Nagy, offensive coordinator from Kansas City, hadn't been a head man before. You know, as much as the, the resume of Eric Bieniemy shows that there there should be opportunities for Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach, my guess would be that's probably not a direction they're going to go because especially since George has been running this thing, you know, the Bears will likely, history is telling us, they'll either go with like a, a more older proven commodity they may go with a defensive guy. That that's just kind of what the the vacillating back and forward is saying. You went with young offensive guy this time, so they're probably going to go with at least a guy who's established as a head coach, if not a defensive mind, because that's what you know. Whether it was going from from John Fox to to Mark Trestman to uh, or uh, to Mark Mark Tressman to John Fox to Matt Nagy, and this is where things have been going. So a super team of coaches. It really depends on what exactly they start with at the top and, and what. What support and infrastructure on the staff is necessary for it to sort of be its best? Beyond that, because I don't think I don't think you can necessarily say that there's no way to have a, a great young coach and on his first job be really good. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go here.
3: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question, and I think in the Chicago Bears context of it, you can go back to 2018 and say, man, Vix Fangio, Brandon Staley, Ed Donatel, right, Jay Rogers, right. Right? That's yeah, that's almost as good as you're going to get in the NFL mm-hmm. if you're talking about having a superstar. And children are still of, a part yeah. of
5: things at that point. And, yeah, and too. like, you
3: know, I know back in like 2012 for the Redskins, uh, they had Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Sean McVay hmm. all on the same offensive staff, right? right? So if you're talking about just coaching staff and where everything just kind of comes together for you all of a sudden, and like we talked about earlier, when you talk about, Man, like 2018, like how did we get back there? How did that even happen, right? <laughs> well, then you look at, you would say a big part of the reason they were so good was the was the defense side of the ball, right? Uh, Khalil, you yeah. said they traded for Khalil Mack. They had Akeem Hicks. Eddie Jackson was on fire, right? Yeah, the Kyle yeah. Fo- they had a bunch, but it's at the height of their powers, man. But then you had no one really knew who Staley was, but there he was in the building, right? right. And you had Vic Fangio, who a lot of people would argue is the best defensive mind in the NFL. Mm. Ed Donatell, another very good. Wherever he goes, the safety seems to be an all pro. Right. Right. So Eddie right. Jackson was an all pro that year. Denver has an all pro this year. Uh, uh, the, Jay Rogers does a hell of a job developing defense alignment. Like mm. these are not accidents, right? So uh, uh, just in that point and finding, began, I don't know what you feel about this. Finding a, a good football coach, whether it be positional coach, whether it be a head coach, man, they are rare. Like, they're as rare as finding an all-pro type football player, right? Mm. I mean, to me, when you walk in a football building, the only per- people there elite by definition are the football players. Uh-huh. Everybody else uh-huh. there, they have a lot to prove, right? <laughs> they're Every, elite football yeah, watchers. They're watchers, and But but when you find, like, an elite coach, like, uh-huh. I, you know, I'll, I'll use an extreme example. When you get a Bill Belichick, I mean, and even he had to learn. I mean, right. Cleveland wasn't right. great, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. If the, I think his stint with the Jets maybe, but his first coach, couple – they weren't great. He yeah, had a lot to yeah.
5: learn to be a football coach. Well, he actually – he pulled a McDaniels on the Jets, right? right? Like, he kind of did
3: a dine, mm-hmm. dine and dash on the yep. Jets
5: real quick and got up out of there so he yeah. could go to New England.
3: Right. And, and you know, how, how many coaches right now will you say – Sean Payton. I mean, that guy. With, with everything the Saints have had right. this year, I didn't see what happened in their game, but they had a chance to make the playoffs. And then uh, they had 50 players miss a game this mm-hmm. year. They didn't – Drew Brees retired on them. Right? I mean, just – and some of these guys are rare, man. They're as rare as a yeah. Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. You know, so it's a great question, and and that's what we were talking about earlier when you're talking about developing not only players, but okay, you had Staley in your building, Coach Nagy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like I would have to go down and ask him when that guy became a head coach. Like, what didn't you see in him that everybody else
5: saw three years later? Yeah. And I wonder if, I mean, you know, just think about how the offseason played out for Sean Desai. Really, the first voice that I heard mention Sean Desai was Sam Acho. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Sacho was mm-hmm. on, I think he was on this station. I think you're right. Talking about mm-hmm. Sean Desai and just what a genius he feels like Sean Desai is. And that Desai, once we found out that, uh, that you know, the defensive coordinator, that uh, Chuck Pagano was moving on. All right, so who who gets that gig next? Mm-hmm. And Sam Acho was the first one I heard talking about Sean Desai is, is a guy who not only should be considered, but should definitively get the gig. And then, you know, maybe they would go the, go that direction regardless. Damn sure I didn't hear anybody from it within how it's all saying that publicly. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about how impressed we've been with Sean Desai mm-hmm. this season. I do want to go back to something we were talking about kind of closing the previous segment, just in, you know, the, the infrastructural end of things kind of top down, you know, because most of what we break down with, with good reason is Matt Nagy, the X's and O's, and what's happening with the players. But so much of that... And especially because we've seen – we essentially have seen Matt Nagy in the four seasons. He kind of made the same mistake over and over again with things that would happen with that offense. So, like the point I was making, how come Ryan Pace – it took so long for Ryan Pace to step in. Let's assume Ryan Pace stepped in after that Cleveland game and say, hey, Matt, we got to do something about this, man. This, this ain't working. And Bill Lazor starts calling the plays again. And we at least see an offense that moves the ball more consistently. Mm-hmm. Still wasn't scoring a whole lot more touchdowns, but they move the ball more consistently – and you, you were talking about something uh, in the break a little bit, just from a personnel mm-hmm. perspective and, and how this season closed out right. for Matt Nagy and some of the decisions that got made there.
3: Yeah, because we were talking about there's a guy who needs to oversee it, and you talked about the macro level, right? Seeing, like you were saying, okay, why aren't you running the system? Like, that guy can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, just for me, just for when you were saying that, an example is just what they've done with the young tackles at the end of this year – it makes zero sense. Like you can't explain it at all. Like mm. we're gonna start a Fetty over Borum in Seattle and make a Fed the team captain, but then we're gonna bench a Fetty immediately when we come back, put Borum back at right tackle, and then put Jason Peters in at left tackle. And then I'm gonna get this whole speech at my press conference about how much I respect Jason Peters and he fought it his you know what off to come back and I'm gonna play him. And then we watch today's game and late in the game, Jason Peters is still in the game and Tevin Jenkins, you're guy you trade up for, or Ryan Pace trade up for in the second round, is still not in the game. And, 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 began. we talked about the Vikings now. Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin he has, you know, mental health problems. I hope he gets okay, but they're both not on the field. So you're basically going against backup defensive ends. Tevin Jenkins can handle himself. Your scouting report should tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like, we can play Tevin Jenkins here. Uh, Wundum is not dominant, and you have film of Tevin Jenkins playing against this guy at Soldier Field. And you should feel comfortable enough to get get these young guys on the field. Are you doing what's best for the Chicago Bears is the question. Are you doing what's best for Coach Nagy, Andy Dalton, another guy who will not be here, another, to me, another mark. The, The guy on the contract is Nick Foles he's the guy I need to look at, right? He's the guy, uh, I, do, can, I, can I just keep him under his contract and, and keep him as my backup quarterback behind Justin Fields? Because when you watch the game today, there's so many guys on the field that you're asking yourself, why the hell are they out there?
5: Uh, right. and,
3: and, and I'm just, it, to me,
5: it's, it, it shows you the bigger problem at Hallis Hall. Daz Newsome, another guy. It's like, oh, he's emerged a little bit lately. Big hit on special teams. Mm-hmm. Nice little pump return in there. Would have been nice to see a little more Daz Newsome action late in the year if you're going to try to get something out of these young guys. My guess is this might not be the last time you hear uh, me and Olin together. Certainly won't be the last time you hear us on the station. Tomorrow's the Bears Monday here on The scores. the season has come to a close. 6-11, the final record for the Chicago Bears. If news breaks tonight, Make sure after the Bulls game ends, you get back here to the score. May more likely be that news breaks tomorrow. And, of course, this station will hold it down to make sure you are all informed of what's going on from the reports out of Hallis Hall. It's been fun. If this is the last post post show, there's no more bears games. Last official post-post show of the season. Always a pleasure with the great Always double-A. I appreciate Olin it, man. Krutz. He is on Twitter at Olin underscore Cruits. I'm Anthony Herrn. Thanks to Brandon Fry and everybody else who's helped us do this show, Cesar Perez and everyone else throughout this season. It's always a pleasure to bring this to you and do what we can to bring all the information and opinions on the Bears season. As news is gonna come, we just don't know when it's gonna happen, but when it does. Make sure you tune in to Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.